pension. He took a pension of back. He got beaten for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Jeremy's Bob Pearl Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about my winner. We're going to connect two things right here. The departure of Houston Astros general manager James Click and a potential departure of free agent pitcher Jacob deGrom. Of course, if you've been living under a rock, the Houston Astros, the 2022 World Series champions, uh, made a decision, a conscious decision that came from the ownership and owner Jim Crane to move on from their general manager, James Click, and used kind of a, um, I don't know, a, a half-ass tactic saying, hey, you could come back, but you come back for one year. And obviously, listen, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize that it is an insult, a slap in the face, a complete sign of disrespect to take a general manager, a man who in three years has led his team to the AL Championship Series, American League Champions in 2021, and a very good chance to have won the World Series against the Atlanta Braves, and then backing it up with a World Series championship in 2022, uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that, hey, the results would make you think that the man would be in demand. He did his job. Jim Crane didn't believe that. And because of that, he gave him, hey, a one-year contract offer for somebody that's 40 years old and feels like he has done his job up to this point. That is an insult, to not give a multi-year contract offer to an executive that just brought you a World Series championship is a sign from the owner that you do not want that executive to remain around anymore. And how do I tie this into Jacob deGrom? Well, it's a little bit different. Jacob deGrom's a free agent, so he's not under contract with the Mets. He's not waiting for his contract extension, per se, to see if the Mets want him. In fact, you could say contrarily that, or on the contrary, that Jake is welcomed back and the Mets want him back. So the Mets certainly want Jacob DeGrom back more than Jim Crane, the owner of the Houston Astros, wanted James Click back. That's fair. So far, you're probably with me if you're paying attention to what it is that I'm saying. So the question is, does Jacob, does Jacob DeGrom want to come back? And you're getting the inclination that maybe he doesn't. Is it because of New York? Is it because he wants to be closer to home? Whatever it is, you'll find out. What the Mets have is the most resources in Major League Baseball to make sure that Jacob DeGrom gets paid um, to be the highest paid player in baseball, at least on an average annual value, probably to get a longer-term deal with the Mets than he can get on the open market with any other team. But... Once again, it comes down to the simplistic element of the fact does does Jacob DeGrom want to pitch in New York? And he might not. He might turn down more money to go somewhere else. And in the end, the onus is on the player in Jacob's case, the team or the owner in the Houston Astros case. What exactly do you want? If you if you're a Jim Crane and you don't want 
the general manager to be around anymore. You can't fire him off of a World Series championship. Now, if you want, if you're part of the media and you want to word it as him being fired, well, he was offered a contract, so he really wasn't fired. But he got around it that way. Similarly to Jacob deGrom, could just sign a contract with another team and make it about that other team. Let's say, hypothetically, he signs in Texas, which if he doesn't re-sign with the Mets, the Texas Rangers would be the team I'd like to see him sign with. Obviously, don't want him to sign with the Braves. I don't want to see him sign with the Cardinals. And I don't know what other team would be in the mix. Let's be serious. The Marlins and the Rays aren't going to be uh, coughing up the money to pay Jacob DeGrom. You know, they, they wouldn't give him, you know, $40 million for one year, let alone the multi-year elements of this contract. So, you know, he, he's not going to be close to his home in Florida. Uh, maybe it's a matter of just being, you know, in a south part of the country, somewhere within the parameters of Florida, is that, if that's what he wants. And he may, in his press conference, let's say he signs with the Rangers, he wants to uh, wax poetically about being closer to home, uh, being in a different state. The question's going to be, and I hope you get the correlation between Click and DeGrom, it's a decision made that has nothing to do with the outside elements. You may think with Jacob DeGrom, nine years with the Mets, there's Tom Seaver, there's Jerry Kuzman, there's Dwight Gooden, and Jacob DeGrom is right up in the mix as far as being the best starting pitchers ever, best pitchers ever, to wear a New York Mets uniform. And Jake has a chance to do something that very few players in the history of the New York Mets franchise have ever had the chance to do, and that's start and finish their career wearing a New York Mets uniform. Ed Cranepool was able to do it from 1962 to 1979, and of course David Wright was able to do that from 2004, technically through 2018, but his career really ended at, after, after his uh, injury, or he went on the IL in 2016. No pitcher in the history of the New York Mets has ever pitched 10 consecutive or more seasons and started or finished their career with the New York Mets. And obviously, those are all little tidbits that are important for the fan that roots for the New York Metropolitans. But from a baseball element, it's Jacob DeGrom's decision. He got the free agency. He didn't have to get the free agency. Certainly, he could have had a conversation with his agent and met with Steve Cohen and gotten the amount of money that he would have wanted to to finish his career with the New York Mets. Jacob DeGrom wanted free agency. Pretty similar to Jim Crane wanting to separate himself from James Click. Maybe he didn't feel like Click was really responsible for putting this team together. Of course, the Astros was a Jeff Lutnow team. Jeff Lutnow built that team from scratch starting when he took over in, what, 2011-ish? As the general manager built that organization from the bottom up Something you're seeing with, let's say, the Orioles right now, which I do want to I wanna drop a quick mention to something I think the Orioles should do later on in this program. But he built that organization up from scratch. He'd still be there if it wasn't for the MLB investigation and the athletics reporting about that cheating scandal, which involved the Astros in 2017 and 2018. And I don't want to talk about that. I mean, you want to bring it up. You know, I, listen, it's on the record my opinion about that. Did the Astros do anything wrong? Absolutely. 
but was it any more wrong than any things that were going on with other teams at the time? Was it any more wrong than a lot of the cheating and quote-unquote gamesmanship or pushing the line that has existed in Major League Baseball for 150 years? Like I said, I don't want that to be the prolegominal point of my program today. It's, uh, to me, like I said, my opinions on that have been put on the record, and I'll be glad to talk about it another time. Luth now built that team, lost his job because of the results of this scandal, and now James Click comes from Tampa Bay, has success there, but a lot of the success is with Luth now's team. And if the owner really believes it, if the owner believes that the general manager is uh, benefiting from the coattails of the success from the prior regime, then maybe he does want to cut bait. Jacob DeGrom, thinking a lot differently, does he like it in New York? How does he feel about the New York media? How does he feel about the New York fans? What you're going to watch me kind of segue into the next portion of this program because you've heard me talk about the New York fans and the New York fans say, hey, we just give tough love. Uh, we, we don't take any shit from anybody. We're, and, and, and listen, you, you know my, my take on a New York sports fan. I root for the New York Mets, but I hate the New York media. I hate the average New York sports fan. I do. And I'll admit that I have a little bit of a biasness when it comes to it because I'm never going to come around and fully embrace that New York sports fan that believes that they're so much superior to the other sports fans. But most importantly, and have it how it uh, appeals most to the, as I hone in on the thesis of what it is that I want to bring up today, the sports fan treatment of the star player may be the result of that star player leaving. Does Jacob DeGrom read, let's say, whether it's Twitter or the internet, and listen to the things that people say? Does he turn on the w, you know, WFAN in New York and listen to the callers and what they have to say? Does it matter to him what other people feel? Does he feel like he is loved in a city that he has brought so much to? You know, two Cy Youngs, multiple All-Star appearances, a Rookie of the Year, pitched in a World Series. Does he feel like he is appreciated here in New York? And now we live in a day and age where New York isn't the only place you could get paid. You know, it's not New York, L.A., and then maybe Boston, Philadelphia. You could get paid in Texas. You could get paid in Minnesota. Certainly in football or basketball, you could play in any region and get as high paid as anybody in the sport. You could be the highest paid player and you don't have to play in New York anymore. So can Jacob DeGrom get that contract that he's looking for, number one, and also give himself a fresh start where maybe he doesn't want to deal with the constant criticism as he goes out there and tries to throw zeros every one of his starts. You know, seven shutout innings and the Mets lose, and there's some jerk out there that tries to make it like Jacob DeGrom did something wrong. You know, Jacob DeGrom pitches to a, you know, a barely over one earned run average and then gets hurt in 2021. Well, all of a sudden, he's injury prone and he can't stay healthy. He has a couple bad starts in the latter part of September, early October, and then he's washed up. You know, the nerve of him to opt out. And remember what I said before. 
Chris Bassett's comments about it not being so easy to play in New York and how the players really do talk and think about this could be the very reason that Jake ends up walking as a free agent. And the other big free agent out there, and obviously there's many for both New York teams, you know, whether it's the Mets, you think of Bassett, who I just mentioned, Mets locked up Edwin Diaz, did a very good job with that, and a handful of other free agents, whether it's Taiwan Walker, Brandon Nimmo, and obviously the Yankees with Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo. There's a report by Joel Sherman, who I don't necessarily love his reporting, but every now and then um, he's on to something, and he says something I agree with, which he does in this situation, talking about the perception of the players when it comes to New York City fans. Do they feel like the fan is on their side? Aaron Judge goes out there, hits 62 home runs, and then in the playoffs has a four-strikeout game, a three-strikeout game, and the fans are booing him like he like, like he's totally ruining their day. Like Aaron Judge has done nothing for the Yankees and the Yankee fans. And he could say, hey, that's New Yorkers being New York. That's the New York, the Bronx cheer, right? But when you're getting reports that the players are actually talking about this, saying the New York sports fans are supposed to be the ones that are on our side. I expect to get booed if I go to Boston or I go to Philadelphia. I don't expect to get booed by the fans that are rooting for this team to win for crying out loud. And you can say, like I said, are we going soft? Well, I think you want to climb up out of that rock and realize where the society has come today. Where is it right now? What exactly is it that we're stressing and analyzing as people, let alone sports fans? There is an extra level of sensitivity that is out there. But you see it in the political world. You see it in the sociological world. You see it from a psychological standpoint when you're looking at your average um, young men or women today. They're focused on a lot more cultural things, but they're also a lot more sensitive to the treatment and from the treatment of others. And if you're a professional athlete and you could make the same amount of money anywhere in the country to play a sport you love, would you rather do it knowing the fans are 100% on your side? And that's kind of what we're getting into right now. Jacob DeGrom, if he decides to leave the New York Mets, it's going to be because Jacob DeGrom does not want to play in New York anymore. And if you're a fan and you take that personally, you got to look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you one of the ones that essentially forced this player out? If Aaron Judge, as he hits free agency, decides to go play somewhere else, and you're bothered by that because you feel like he doesn't want to play for you, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, well, were you one of the ones at the stadium booing him in the playoffs? As the players speak amongst themselves to say maybe New York is not necessarily the most desirable place to play. And I mentioned before the Baltimore Orioles. And I wanted to get this out there and on the record. I think a perfect fit for Aaron Judge as a free agent would be with the Baltimore Orioles. And number one, I'll, I'll give you a couple reasons why I, I think this would be perfect. The Orioles, where they are from a developmental stage, they got a couple of their top prospects up in Adley Rushman. 
Gunnar Henderson. D.L. Hall, I think, is going to be a, a major member of the Baltimore Orioles rotation next year. Uh, Mike, Mike Elias and the hard work that he has put in to build that organization from the ground up is looking to finally produce some fruits. And they did with the winning season they had last year, winning 89 games. Aaron Judge is going to be looking for a contract probably of about 10 years or more. What teams are going to be the most inclined to give Aaron Judge 10 years? And I think one would be a team in Baltimore that feels like it's running into its prime right now. The Baltimore Orioles from 2022 to, let's say, 2030 are expecting to be what the Houston Astros were from 2015 to, let's say, 2022 or 2023. This is their decade of success. So why not do that with a foundation player that you know is going to hit a shitload of home runs in Camden Yards and obviously is going to hit more home runs at Yankee Stadium um, and then have that player be a foundation piece knowing he's going to be here for the next decade. That next decade that you expect Adley Rushman to be here for. That next decade that you expect Gunnar Henderson to be here for. That next decade that maybe you expect Cedric Mullins and Anthony Santander and others like that to be there for. I think that would be a great fit. And certainly, you know, Aaron Judge can say, hey, you know, I'll be the villain right now. But guess what? You know, you, you guys didn't treat me so well while I was out there setting the American League record for the most home runs in a season. And it's funny, as I look at free agency in baseball, and you know, a couple things do kind of grind my gears a little bit. Number one, uh, baseball writers are going to be tweeting all about giving credit to each other for players signing with teams, which doesn't make any freaking sense. It's like the player is going to sign with the team whether uh, you know Joe Schmo reports it or not, but you know, you're going to have to hear that crap. And then the other thing is you know, fans and every fan out there, whether you follow a team or follow the sport, is going to have this dream scenario of where all these free agents are going to go. Hey, what are the Mets going to look like? Yeah, they look a lot better when you add seven prime free agents to the organization. Same thing with the Phillies or the Red Sox or the Yankees. And you got to hear these uh, kind of Christmas lists, right, as we get close to the holiday season. Whether you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever the hell you want to sell, we, we want to celebrate. You have a list, right? Hey, this is what I like to get to celebrate the holiday season. And as a baseball fan, you have this dream lineup where you uh, look at free agents, whether it's an Aaron Judge or a Trey Turner or a Jose Abreu or a Jacob DeGrom, and then you put them all on your team to say, like, your team is going to sign every one of these guys. Uh, the likeliness of that happening isn't very much. But it's interesting to see how this offseason is going to work out because it's going to be different than the prior offseason because last year, 2021, there was no baseball winter meetings. The owners locked the players out. Was it December 1st, December 2nd? Um, there was more of a, uh, I don't know, kind of a, a level of importance for teams to ink certain players before that deadline. And that was a self-imposed deadline where the owners made it clear that they were going to lock out the players. So there was a lot more activity at this point. And we're still like kind of the early beginning part of November. 
free agency has been around just a couple days. Last year at this time, there were a lot of moves already made. But as you get over the course of the next couple weeks, certainly the high ticket items, the DeGroms, the judges, unless there's a match made in heaven, unless there's a negotiation and you say, hey, this is where I want to be, let's just come up with a contract. You would think it's going to drag out a little bit further. You think it's going to drag out a little further to the baseball winter meetings. Uh, probably see some trades there, and you know during that time some rosters will start to put put themselves in in effect. But obviously you got the shortstops again. Probably not as prominent list of shortstops as there were last year, but you know you got Xander Bogarts, and to me the silliness silliness with the Boston Red Sox. How do you not just lock this guy up? You know, him endeavors on the left side of that infield for the next, you know, eight to ten years. I mean, why would you not want that? What are you negotiating with? You know, there's Trey Turner. Trey Turner back to the Dodgers makes a ton of sense. But it probably makes more sense for Trey Turner in Philadelphia, right? You know, Dave Dombrowski got that team to the World Series in short order. Obviously, there's a lot of money invested in players, whether it's Harper, whether it's Castellanos, Schwarber, um, Nola, Zach Wheeler. It's a lot of money being spent there, but they don't have a shortstop. Bryson Stott, draft pick a couple years ago. Yes, he's loved, beloved in the city of Philadelphia. It's time to bring a shortstop in. Trey Turner to Philadelphia makes ultimate sense. Yeah, and then there's Carlos Correa. Where you wonder, does Carlos Correa, hey, maybe you liked it in Minnesota. Are the Twins going to shock the world and give Carlos Correa the contract that he wants? Because I think he'll stay there if they pay him. But then you think of other teams that'll, that could slide in there. Maybe the Dodgers say, hey, let's let's bring in Correa. You know, they talked about the Baltimore Orioles and Aaron Judge. Listen, maybe Aaron Judge, maybe the Orioles, maybe they're not thinking about being some sort of connection, hey, they are. I think they are a star player away from t- being taken really seriously, not just now, but over the course of the next five years. And, of course, you look at whether it's Turner, whether it's Correa, whether it's Xander Bogarts. You know, there's different teams that are trying to get themselves in a better position than they are right now. I think of the Chicago Cubs. I don't think their rebuilding has produced so much fruits at the major league level at this very moment. But I think that they're they're a star player away from turning that corner. Carlos Correa could be the Cubs' Keith Hernandez of the Mets circa 1983. You bring in a winning player, and that player says, listen, I expect to win. Tom Seaver, when he came up in 67, in the 68 and 69 with the Mets, said this bullshit reputation of being lovable losers will not be tolerated on my watch. I'm not a loser. If you guys are losers, then get the hell out of here. And I think Carlos Correa, specifically, is that type of player that could expect things to be different by his mere presence. To me, Carlos Correa reminds me. That's that's a winning player. Reggie Jackson, his presence on any given team was knowing that you had a winner. And it doesn't mean you're going to win. It doesn't mean World Series championships are coming your way. But you want that player to be the turning point where you say, last couple of years haven't been so good, but the expectations are higher. The bar 
has been raised. The New York Mets of last year did it in a little bit of a different way. Good clubhouse guys that were changing the culture. And then some clubhouse guys that were there before kind of leaving. And I think they both had an, an equal amount of say in the Mets from becoming a losing team in 19 and 20 and 21 to a winning team with the expectation and the bar raised that this team was going to be successful. Eduardo Escobar, Mark Canna, Starling Marte. They influenced the other players better than some of the players that left the team after 2021 as either, either, either free agency or otherwise. And you wonder in baseball, what does it take for a team to be successful? And I, I've, I've broken this down to the most common of denominators, and I said, listen, sometimes you score one more run than the opposition. Sometimes you happen to win more games than the other team that you're playing. How many more wins than another team do you have to have before you start believing that you're better than them? And you look at a couple things that happened over the course of the season. The Mets, who piled up a lot of wins early, started to believe that they were a good team. Going back calendar 2021, San Francisco Giants, nobody thought the Giants were the best team in baseball. Well, they ended up having more wins than anybody in baseball in 2021. They piled up wins. They believed in themselves. And a culture was built there. Is it all on the manager? Is it all on the front office? Is it all on the leaders, the big-time players that are over there in San Francisco? No. But it changed from one season to the other. And I, I've said, and this has always been my argument, sometimes you just win. Sometimes you just lose. We spend so much time as analysts and sports fans and people that really think anybody gives a shit about anything that we say trying to explain why. Why is the team winning? Why is the team losing? Sometimes that's just it. Sometimes it just clicks for you. Sometimes it just doesn't. Does that mean that the manager or the coach of the team that's losing is bad? Does it mean that the manager or coach of the team that's winning is automatically good? Sometimes one has nothing to do with the other. And you've heard my take about the role of the Major League Baseball manager in the sport changing, and it's certainly evolved. I think you're watching with the hires of guys like Buck Showalter and Bruce Bochy. Um, think about it. Joe Madden and Joe Girardi were expected to be part of this regener um, rejuvenation of the Major League Baseball manager, and they both failed and were, were forced out. They were fired in the 2021 season for maybe certain levels of things they may have done wrong, but probably and most expectedly because of the disconnect they had between the front office and their analytical staffs. Joe Madden's writing a book right now. I can't wait to read it because I think Joe is, going, Joe is able to um, explain the differences in how he has used analytics over the course of his baseball career. At one point was considered a poster child for it, but has noticed them kind of taking over his job and what he has learned to do on a day-in and day-out basis. Like I said, Buck Showalter, Bruce Bochy, they're expected to come in here and kind of put a little more say into the position as opposed to just following a bunch of instructions and orders. And how has that changed the team? 
You saw Buck and the Mets have a very good regular season. Bottom kind of came out from them in September. Didn't have a great September. We're beaten by the San Diego Padres. Obviously, we're beaten in that three-game series. Swept in Atlanta in the last weekend of the season, which impacted their seeding. Yeah, they could have had a first-round bye. They could have been playing the Phillies in the NLDS. Instead, they were eliminated in the the wild-card series to the San Diego Padres. But it's interesting. And like I said, I like the hiring of Bruce Bochy. I'd like him to be paired with Jacob DeGrom, assuming that Jake doesn't want to come back and return to the Mets. Pretty interesting to see how it works out. Once again, this is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by two ways. One passion food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll try to be back with you next week. Like I said, if you if you have any interest in the show, want to drop some comments in there, any way that you're able to listen or watch it, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, um, you know, the iOS app, um, Apple Music, Amazon Music, SoundCloud. I, I don't really care, but like I said, just make make your voice heard because your voice being heard is going to inspire me to want to speak some more. At this point, you know, we've done this for 10, 12 years. Um, I've got enough of my opinions out there. There's different things that I'd want to say, and maybe I'd like to, you know, turn the camera on and speak a little bit more. But you know, it'd really be nice to know that anybody has any take on anything. To this point. I feel like I've been let down. Been let down by you, by the way. You know, you're forcing yourself as the person that watches videos, that listens to videos, to listen and watch other content without even taking a snippet of what it is that I have to say. And you could agree with it. You could disagree with it. If I'm as bad as maybe I think I am, maybe I think I'm bad because nobody's commenting on this, then maybe... You know, a little line, hey, you suck, you should get off the airwaves. Maybe that will be the right thing to do. And I may agree with you. If I get enough of that, hey, you suck, you suck, you suck. Maybe I'll think about whether I have a camera on me with a light and I'm out here talking. Maybe I'll shut the hell up. Maybe you'll bring an end to me. But to, I've said it before, I'd rather be booed like Aaron Judge in New York with the Yankees. I'd rather be ridiculed by people that are part of canceled culture. You know, we're going to eliminate you because of something you said, something you did. I'd rather roll that than be in a situation where I am right now. And I am ignored. And there's no worse feeling in the world for anybody that goes out there, provides content, speaks their mind. There's no worse feeling than just the fact that nobody listens. That's the worst thing in the world. And I'm glad I have this out there on the record. We'll be back with you next week, maybe. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Pride was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on in my life. Now they've come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I was supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm going to just play the dude disguise.
managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you can say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs, decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right, better give him a contract extension. You damn well right, better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.